Welcome back to Old Nerd Young Nerd. I'm Derek. I'm Todd. And we are continuing off our where we left off with Picard episode 10, the season finale. This is part two for us. Mm-hmm. And we'll just get right back into it. Um so we we have uh Raffi is trying to communicate with Picard via the Kirkcom pin, but she's unable to reach him. According to Narek, the synthetics were building a transmitter to summon something. He explains that the Romulans believe synthetics are fated to destroy all life, an event they call Ganmadon. And that cop Capellius station was on lockdown to prevent interfering with the beacon's construction. So no transmission in and out, no beaming, nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rios and Raffi both remark that Picard was almost certainly going to interfere and try and stop it. And Raffi tries in vain to hail him again. Uh, at that moment, Elnor appears with his sword drawn, holding it at Narek's throat. And he tells Narek and Romulan Todd's favorite line, choose to live. <laughs> it's seriously, I, it's the I, most, I, it's the greatest line. It is. I, it's like, so simple and so perfect and so badass. And it's also so like perfect for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, not just uh, for Narek, but also for the universe, hypothetically, choose to live. I, so, I like it's 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 a huge, it's a hugely obvious thing to say, and it's hugely like, I'm sure nerds all over the world when they first saw that they're like, yeah, choose yeah. to live, and he goes, I choose to live, I choose to live, you know. If, well, I mean, there's only one way to, to react to that, right? You raise your hands, as he does, and says, I very much choose to live. <laughs> right. Uh, but, Rios then talks um, Elnor down, saying that they need Narek's help to stop what's happening. Mm-hmm. So then you flash over to Dr. Sung's lab, where Dr. Girardi uh, finds him trying to transfer Saga's memories to a module as a memento for Arcana, her sister. Right. But the damage to her one eye uh, corrupted the data stream, so he's trying to kind of fix it. So Girardi tells him that she's been working on Neuralaces for the Golem, but that some files were encrypted, and Maddox had said that his crypto kung fu was the best. So as soon goes to check on that to see if he can help with it, and asked her to keep an eye on the the, the coding rate for um, the memory chip he's working on. Mm-hmm. And once he leaves, <clears throat> she hesitantly like begins to remove the remaining intact eye of Saga, apologizing for for doing it to a corpse, essentially. Right. Now, did this kind of further? inflame your theory that she was on the Romulan side because why would she apologize if she was I mean for like the longest time like when I was watching this like I'm thinking oh she's going to do something to uh, further the Romulan's you know agenda Uh, ultimately we find out she she does not Mm -hmm. but uh, you know for this whole uh, this whole period like we're thinking at least I am you you are on the complete opposite page yep where um, she was more pro-human than pro-synthetic. Uh, but I was, like, 
this entire time thinking, OMG, what is going to happen now where she's using her eye against the synthetics? And couldn't have been further from the truth, uh, you know, as we let her find out. And I'm sure Derek's going to get into it eventually. But I was completely convinced way up until like almost the end, like honestly, too. Well, I'm not going to go into it. Um, I'll, I'll let you continue, but okay. I, I, you know, I, I, I know, uh, I know what I, you're I, talking about, and we'll get there pretty quickly. Yeah, maybe not I quickly, was... but we'll get there within the next episode or two. <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. within this episode, but I, I don't know. A lot happens in this. Yeah, I mean, like finale. I was, you know, it, it, there's a certain point where I'm like, oh, okay, well, she's definitely not that, but I took it like this entire time is O M G. What's going to happen now? There goes the planet of the synthetics. Like the entire time I'm thinking this as I'm watching it. It's kind of interesting that you took it as a completely different tact, but I can honestly see where you came up with that. So, but I will let you proceed, mon ami. So around a, a campfire outside of the La Serena, Elnor asks why they chose to trust Narek, uh as his sister murdered Hugh. And he disp- uh, says he doesn't like Zatvash agents, and especially him. Narok asks him how he feels about Ganmadon, because if they can't stop it, whether they like each other won't matter. Um, right. Rafi asks what Ganmadon is, and Elnord basically scoffs it and calls it like an old story. But Narek says that it's a story of old times comparable to Earth's Ragnarok. And uh, he explains that it involves two sisters, um, twin demons. I'm not going to try and butcher the word he used to call them. Yeah. Who who seek to release another Romulan word that I won't butcher, but a very bad demon, as Elnor puts it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one sister is Sebnatan, the foreteller, and the other is Sebchaneb, the destroyer, which is who they believe Soji to be. Uh. Narex paints um, an apocalyptic picture based off of those legends. Um, Rafi asks if it was a prophecy, which Eric, or Eric, geez, Narek believe says he doesn't believe it was a prophecy, but believes it was history and that it was about to repeat itself. Right. Uh, we then do a quick flash over to the Romulan fleet with Commodore O saying, at last, our great work is nearly at an end. Right, and that's when they come out of uh, subspace. Not and... just yet, but they're oh. like, but they're almost there. Okay, all right. Okay, We're that was just that there. was that was just a little like they're creeping ever closer moment that right. they did, kind of unnecessary. Like everyone knew they were coming; they could have just had them show up. Yeah, but and, whatever. And that's always kind of creepy, like when they all come out of subspace, but. Hasn't happened yet, but it's all, it all happened at the same time in my head. So, but I'm a little bit wrong, but what's interesting about this is it's a Romulan, uh, mytho historical type of, uh, story Uh where, you know, where they're saying past prologue and they've, and that's been a continuing, philosophy throughout human history as well you know what and what it basically boils down to is 
if you do not learn from the past, then you will repeat it. Yep. And then here we go again. So that like, that's what the, um, what, what this is, what, what this is alluding to just on the interstellar. Level. Well, and it's, it's funny too. Cause you like, you have two different sects of Romulans here. One very much believes that it, it's real. And one very much believes that it's just a myth. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, if it was real, you know, you can honestly argue that the Zod Bosch was right. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, minus the genocide. Right. But, you know, in, in from a certain perspective, you know, had had things transpired um, as the Zod Bosch predicted, how do we know that they're not wrong? You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and we don't even know this until the end of the end of the story, but they've never really been proven wrong. Like, if you really think about it through the entire series, we don't know that they're wrong. We don't know that they're not, you know, obviously they're zealots, but there's a possibility they're entirely correct, but I'm going to, ping it back to you uh, just to put that everyone in everyone's head that there's a good possibility that they're 100 right there and, and you know what even at the end of the series we don't know that they were wrong i mean really if you really think about it derek you know what i mean or or, or are you disagreeing with me i mean you can disagree with me obviously no no, no i, I mean it's, it's we're arguing kind of philosophy and semantics right I mean, essentially, they they were proven to be right in, in in effect because they did try to summon those machines that they ultimately feared above all others. Right. But, but then, we don't know what, what the end result of that was going to be. Right, which you and, mentioned and, and, at the and, end and of the last we're, episode. We're rushing to the end, but um, but everyone, hopefully, that's listening to this has already watched the, the episode, so I'm not giving away anything. But But we don't necessarily know that they're wrong. And it, and I think that is kind of a lesson in and of itself. Um, but I'm going to hold back on that. I'm going to hold back on that to the end. Um, the, that lesson. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say anything. Well, I probably will say a lot of stuff, but nothing to do with that um, at the end. But I do want to bring that up later. Okay. All right. So Narek shows the crew. Um, the the grenades he's carrying that he originally intended to use on the orchids but now wants to use to destroy the transmitter um the they basically plan to do the chewbacca from a new hope where he is going to be their false prisoner and they bring him to the settlement to get in the door very good segue Derek. very good segue yes with uh chewbacca in the um death star yes very good stormtroopers yep um he's a little screwed for a stormtrooper and they they hide the grenades inside some soccer balls rios had um and they do this and they bring him to the gates as a prisoner where uh two synths named rune and codex confiscate their weapons and belongings Mm mm-hmm Going back inside the complex, Girardi uses the eye she took from Saga on the retinal scanner to open the, the quarters Picard is being kept in. 
Uh, she wakes him up and explains that the synthetics are about to power up the transmitter and that she was busting him out to, re- to return to the Lost Arena. Um, then inside the Golem Lab, <laughs> the uh, video files are finished decrypting, and Dr. Sung sees uh, that – well, he sees two things simultaneously. A, that the Matrix is for the Golem is ready, and B, the video file showing that Sutra – with the help of Narek, was the one who stabbed Saga and killed her. And that was a kind of a shocker. Well, I mean, we, we, the audience, kind of knew or assumed it. And this is where I think, philosophically, like the the, uh, the name of the episode that we've mentioned many times comes into play. Like the philosophy right. we're talking about where, like, humans are ultimately always humans. Well, uh-huh. in this sense that, you know, like any creature that has wants or desires is capable of doing evil essentially. Right. So she wants uh Saga wants um or Sutra, sorry. Sutra wants these Uber synths to come and wipe out the organics. And in order to do that, she was willing to sacrifice a family member basically to get all the other synthetics to agree to do it. Right, and that, and that was really why she did what she did. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially, I mean, not essentially, that is like an act of murder and sort of a human thing to do. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's um, coldly ironic that the synthetics that theoretically Data was the genesis of have gone to the negative aspects of humanity Mm -hmm. and no more so than obviously the, uh, you know, the, the first, the first sin is murder. Uh, And, and here we have these synthetics where she goes to that ultimate length just to kind of prove, I mean, she's trying to be duplicitous and saying that, you know, the, the organics did this, but, it was really her, and it was really just an excuse to get everyone else on her side, which mm-hmm. works, you know? And it did work. So naturally, after seeing that footage, um, Dr. Sung is horrified, and his, his position sort of changes because he was backing the summoning at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Narek and the rest of the crew approach the transmitter, he sees that the tower is almost complete, and that they're going to need a line of sight at the superluminal tuner at the base of it. Rafi asks him how they can get there without being seen, to which Dr. Sung, who somehow ended up behind them, says an excellent question. Which, that coupled with the last incident, seems to really show the audience that his allegiance has in fact changed. Right. At least that's how I took it. I don't know if you took no, it No, no, I took it the same way. Okay. I, I, like, I think it was plainly obvious. Um on that and you know the subsequent what actually happened subsequent to that uh, conversation all right so apparently picard and girardi escaped the complex undetected and they returned to the lost arena to find uh find it abandoned to which they surmise that the the crew went to find them uh, but since the power on the ship is back on, Picard asks for a status report on the Romulans, 
to which Dr. Girardi tells him they are seven minutes from planet fall. Boom. Yeah. yeah. Seven minutes to 220 warbirds showing up. That's a poop your pants moment. Yeah, for sure. So and they say the, the La Serena and 220 uh, Romulan warbirds. Yep. And five orchids and like a shutdown board cube. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the orchids, I didn't really count as a big turn. The, the board cube that crashed, I didn't really count as a right. big turn. Yeah. It's, it's literally the La Serena. Yep. Um, so basically they they surmise that even if starfleet had received picard's original original message they would still be pretty far behind the romulans so picard Mm. is looking for a way to stall them in the hope that they will arrive even without knowing whether they're coming or not um then to which dr girardi asks like what then because even if they stop the romulans uh soji and the golden children as she calls them will still summon these um uber powerful synthetics and wipe out all organic life Mm -hmm. Uh, to which picard angrily replies that he would stop them too but girardi points out that they're generations beyond us in terms of like intelligence and power so it's like well how are you going to stop them because you can't fight them Mm -hmm. Um, picard says that in one sense that may be so but in all other senses the synthetics are basically just children whose only teachers in life are a couple of old hermits and fear. You know, the fear of being wiped out due to the synthetic ban. Right. And he calls fear an incompetent teacher and that while the synths had life, no one had taught them what life was for, calling being alive a responsibility as well as a right. Uh, to which Girardi asks how they can possibly learn that lesson in only six minutes and 11 seconds. And Picard says the the way children learn most things by example. He then brings up the ship simps uh, systems, while basically wondering aloud how how well he he watched Rios pilot the ship, basically asking if he can do it. Doctor Girardi then tells him to make it so, and the ship and goes into orbit. And that's exactly what he does. So there, there's a lot there. I mean, this is essentially yeah. he essentially says that the like the the sense are basically kids, and no one's really showed them right from wrong. That they've been living in fear, and that's no way to live, and they don't know what life really is. So he's going to show them an example. I mean, it's kind of a complicated way of explaining it. Um, I guess I guess to sum it up, he's just going to show them that not all organics are bad, right? And I mean, that like, that, that, right? That like simplifies it, but that's basically what he does uh, with his actions. And you know, I, I like I really think this is you know um, an allusion to um, humanity in general. In that just because you have this great technology and everything else doesn't necessarily mean you're air quote advanced enough. And I mean that from a uh, philosophical and moral level to use it. 
And it, I, I really think this is an allegory to humanity because, you know, sometimes, you know, I think we've advanced more. And I think, you know, the Star Trek, what they're trying to point out here is sometimes our technology has advanced far in advance of our humanity. And, you know, which is obvious with our wars and everything else. And I think that's really this the the season and the, the the whole crux of the story is meant to portray that hey just because you're this advanced species you're smarter you're better than us doesn't necessarily mean it's always the right thing and doesn't always mean it's the correct way uh for growth and it, and it's always been the argument like there's been a lot of arguments about that against that <clears throat> that our technology has advanced far in excess of who we are and you know how we interact with the world uh perfect example is you know carbon emissions and everything else yeah we can drive i can go from this side of the country to the next side of the country um if i didn't sleep within a couple of days but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing for the country or anything else where I'm burning, you know, fossil fuels and everything else. So I think this was kind of like a morality play in a more subtle way than Star Trek normally does it. Mm-hmm. But, but that's just my, that's kind of my opinion on, on the whole thing uh, in general. Well, you're right. And then I think this next section of the show pretty much states it blatantly. Um. I'll get I'll get to the line because it's basically poignant to your point. Right. So the show picks up at the base of the transmitter with Sutra giving like a speech to all the assembled synth- uh, synthetics saying that a portal will open once the signal is sent. Um, Dr. Sung approaches her accompanied by Elnor and Raffi. He tells two synths to guard them or watch them. He hands Saga the hummingbird brooch I'm sorry. He hands Sutra the hummingbird brooch that she used to kill Saga, indicating that he knew she was responsible. And he he lies to her, telling her that she um, that she was right that the rest of the synths needed an emotional jolt to drive them to the decision to summon the Uber synths. Um, she tells him that she's glad he can see the reason behind her actions, and soon admits that he does. <laughs> but he says that reason isn't everything. He then asks her how she could help uh, the Rom, the Romulan Eric kill her own sister, believing that he taught her better than that. Using a small tool he has on him, he then deactivates Sutra and says, it turns out you're no better than we are. And that's kind of your point, right? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I, and obviously, I knew that was when I was coming anyway. Obviously, but, but I mean. But yeah, I mean, like, that's, I, I, I really think that's, like, the, the, the main point of this whole series. Um, and it also goes to, and I'm going to um, segue lightly to Spider-Man. With great power statement comes great the, responsibility. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that's really what this is about. You know, they've been talking about it since the 60s. 
uh, and before. And Stan Lee came up with this for Spider-Man. And I think, you know, they came up with this for Star Trek, Star Trek, you know, universe. I was going to say next generation, but I mean, it is, but uh, Star Trek Picard, where we really have to think about what we're doing, not just because we can do it. And I think that a lot of people miss that. Um, And I think that's what they're they're really trying to impart. And, you know, hopefully it has imparted that message to a lot of people. Um, And and by no means are we done this episode. Uh, No, by by no means. Yeah. But, like, I honestly think that was really the main... Uh, message of this entire episode of the entire series too really of the entire series yeah for sure that we really have to think about it and a lot of people don't a lot of people take it for granted our technology and it's not necessarily always the case and using our technology uh, on the world or with the world or whatever else has ramifications and they go to the extreme in this one but I think sometimes extreme measures are, are needed to be taken and, and I think that's what the point is on this on this series okay getting back to it yes um, as Sutra goes down Raffi whistles to summon Rios and Narek um, Elnor and Narek then begin to fight the synths while Rios prepares the soccer ball grenades. And as he looks to start throwing them at the tower, he sees Soji still working on it. So he hesitates in throwing it because he doesn't want to hit her and have her like basically get killed by the grenade. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the La Serena enters orbit, Girardi asks Picard how um, he intends to hold back 218 Romulan war- warbirds long enough for Starfleet to arrive. Uh, Picard replies that he's trying to pilot a starship for the first time in a long time, and he's trying to do so without exploding or crashing. So he doesn't answer her. Um, flashback to the ground, Soji continues to work on the transmitter as Narek is pleading with her to stop. Uh, Rios then activates one of the grenades and throws it, but Soji catches it and hurls it into the sky so it explodes above the transmitter and then returns to work. Mm. This is like Fast and Furious because it starts flashing all over the place. Now you flash to the to the board cube where Narissa brings the, the weapons online and attempts to gain a, um, a phaser lock on the La Serena uh, when Seven of Nine enters with phaser in hand, telling her to step away from the console and drop her own disruptor over the edge. Right. Narissa, Narissa does so, raising her hand, saying she was unarmed, to which uh, then Seven of Nine um, takes a pair of knives from her, uh, to which Narissa then says Seven of Nine would be pretty if she weren't a disgusting half-meat, which is totally racist. Yeah. And then a furious melee battle between the two women ensues. Yes. Uh, Jump back to orbit. Dr. Girardi detects a bunch of warp signatures to which Picard hopes that it's Starfleet, but it's not. It's the Romulans. Fortunately, the Romulans, yes. 
where um, you flash to Commodore O, who is now being addressed as general by her crew, and she orders the whole planet to be sterilized. Of all synthetic life. Of all life, period. Yeah. Basically. Uh, back inside the artifact, Narissa mocks sad queen Annika for being assimilated as a child. And as the artifact's weapon uh, lock on to La Serena, uh, Seven of Nine backs her away from the console. Narissa asks why she didn't just put a phaser to her head and be done with it. To which Seven replies, because I still had this to live for, and then pushes her over the edge of the chasm to fall to her death, screaming. Yes. To which To which Seven of Nine says, this is for Hugh. Which had to make you feel pretty good, Todd. Yeah, I mean, like, he was like, I love those episodes with him in it. He was in several episodes in TNG. Um, it was it was very cathartic, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, definitely. So after that, she disables the weapons lock on the Lost Arena. And I think we should wrap it up here, because there's still a lot to talk about, and we're already, like, a half hour in. All right. Sounds good. So we will be back with part three, potentially part four. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We did cover a lot of ground, but like the big climax is still obviously coming. Yep. Still a lot, a lot to talk about. I have like a page full of notes that I haven't even gone into yet. So, oh, so maybe we'll need yeah, five sure. episodes. Well, I don't know, <laughs> five episodes. We might be able to do it in like three. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. So in yep. the meantime, until next time, make sure you follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, old nerd, young nerd. As always, I'm Derek. And I'm Todd. And remember, normal, normal is the is new, the new boring. boring. Thank you. Thanks folks. for listening, everybody. <laughs>